0: Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a driver reach and freight waves production. I'm Wendy Bartz, Vice President of Customer Experience at Driver Reach, a modern recruiting and compliance solution. In Jeremy's absence this week, I get to be your host and I'm excited to be here as your guest host. On this show, we interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring insight to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the greatest challenges that we're all faced with driver recruiting and retention. Your feedback is very important to us. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you're using to listen to. I'm honored to be chatting today with a great industry partner and advocate, Ron Yazetti, Senior Director, Sales at work a digital recruiting solution leveraging technology and social media. That's a mouthful, Ron, but it's great to see you and thank you so much for joining me.
1: It is my pleasure as well, Wendy. Thank you so much for offering this up and definitely looking forward to speaking to your audience today.
0: Awesome. Well, just to kind of give them a little bit uh, chat on what we're going to talk about, uh, we have a number of customers, driver reach and work for, uh, that we're having good success. So we know that you're doing something right. And I'm excited to share and chat about you know your background in HR, recruiting technology, I'd like to share exactly how work works uh, and how you complement other recruiting tactics. Uh, also, I'm hoping to spend some time on unpacking those results that you shared of your 2022 hiring trends. I'm pretty confident those valuable insights the audience would love to hear too. And of course, we will take a question from our listeners during our Deeper Dive segment. Does that sound good to you, Ron?
1: Sounds great. I'm, I'm excited.
0: Perfect. Let's dive in. So, we do have a lot of customers, driver reach and work for uh, that we're definitely seeing some success. Uh, what, you know, just give us a little bit of background on kind of what got you into this, where your passion all came from, uh, and let's share that with the audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly enough, of course, I didn't start in the HR space. I I actually have a culinary background. I went to school for culinary arts in South Florida and I was in the restaurant space for a long time. And actually that's where I met my wife and we met at a restaurant. I was a cook. She was a waitress and, you know, pretty classical, but she, uh, I decided I wanted to get into the business world. So I took a couple of business jobs along the way and eventually I actually wanted to get into IT. And I was kind of studying to be a network administrator, and you know, a database, network administration, security. And I was trying to get into the job market. We had actually moved to Chicago, and uh, where I was trying to get into the the tech space. And at the time, you know, you either needed previous experience or you needed to have certain certain qualifications. And I, I was I was too junior to really get the job I was looking for. And a lot of the offers were for like third shift, graveyard shift, and Recently married, it it just wasn't going to work. So, uh, thankfully, I got a call from Career Builder and somebody who had actually been in the IT space saw my background and said, Hey, I see you have kind of sales and IT experience. Would you like to work at Career Builder? And I said, Sure. And long story short, it was, you know, that was the end of the story, really. I I got into the HR tech space and it really uh, created my foundation. And, you know, I haven't really looked back since, but, uh, you know, that IT background and you know, kind of experience in sales is really what helped to solidify that.
0: All right. So let's go into uh, just, you know, a number of companies that are kind of in the recruiting space. How would you describe the shift in the landscape from career builder in the early 2000s to today?
1: You know, the technology enhancements since when I started is pretty robust, I think. So, originally, you know, job job board was it, job board, job board, and job board database. So, eventually over time, now you've got like interview, video interviewing. You could never probably have faced the pandemic in the earlier 2000s. You know, from our space, I think it would have been a lot harder. So, if you think of like AI, chatbots, a lot of enhancements in technology. Uh, Mobile, even back then, wasn't a thing either. So the mobile phone really enhanced things, I think, in the recruitment world as well. Um, And then today, I I think what's happened with that is it's become a little bit more segmented. So now there's like numerous job boards where there used to be just a few core ones. Right? This was before Indeed. This was before LinkedIn. And I think the way I like to describe it is when the job board world existed, both the the Career Builder Monster and Hot Jobs were all kind of the top three. And there was resume search and there was job searching and eventually those two things like branched off you had LinkedIn, which was more like the database search and an enhancement of the database and then you had you know uh, indeed actually as kind of enhancement of the job board where they you know kind of consumed all of the jobs so you know some of those and, and I think it's harder for recruiters nowadays because of that right there's so many choices there's so many sources so many avenues uh, you know technology is great and I think there's been a lot of enhancements but I think it Muddies the water, so to speak, a lot of times for employers. They only have a finite budget to work with. And now they've got to try to segment that into the, the best resources.
0: Yeah. So tell us about work for. Give me, give me kind of that background in how you moved into kind of that segment.
1: Yeah, so work for a, a company has been around for 11 years. I've been here almost 10. And really, we started as a, our founders, Stéphane Leviet and Gauthier, they actually started the company as more or less a job distribution company. Uh, well, that's their background is they they actually had a company called Multiposting, which is based out of Europe. And it was kind of like Equest here in the States. So it was a platform that helped to distribute jobs to multiple job boards and channels. And really, the the concept was built to do the same thing for social media. And we really had started out as really a Facebook company, and then it kind of branched off into other social media sites. But that's really our background is is really social recruiting technology. Um, You know, we help to get our clients' jobs out in front of social media better and then and then receive candidates. Uh, So lead gen, I I would say, on social media is of our area of expertise, and particularly in the transportation space. We have a lot of background there.
0: So you mentioned Facebook are there other platforms that you use then for from a social side like is it Instagram Twitter TikTok is it everything
1: We can really do everything we've done ads on pretty much every platform and you know we'll get into the the survey in a l- little bit it, the, the concept is just cuz you can do something somewhere doesn't necessarily make sense that that you have to do it there or you should so you yeah, know I think that's a lot of a challenge a lot of companies face is they feel they have to be on somewhere cuz they hear it's the biggest buzz but In reality, you know, I always say you got to fish where the fish are. That's actually something that we used at builder a long time ago. And builder, you know, they towed up up their audience just because you can post on TikTok doesn't mean necessarily your drivers are always there um, or that they're going to be there. So you always have to keep an eye on that.
0: Yeah, that's really accurate. A few several years ago, I remember being at a conference and somebody said Snapchat was going to be the best thing to recruit drivers on. And I have yet to see that take off.
1: So, and, and it, historically, I don't know if you remember Google um, Plus, actually. That was another one that came up like shortly after yeah. Facebook. So it was like Google Plus came in trying to compete with Facebook. And everybody's like, are you doing stuff on Google Plus? And w- we took the approach of like waiting to see if these channels formated first before we jumped into them. Cause now, I mean, I, I don't even like Snapchat at least is still around. I can't even tell you anybody that tells you that they use Google Plus. So,
0: well, let's go into that. 22 um, Hiring Trends report that you talked about, and I know it's full of valuable insights. I would love to just hear, you know, what are some of the key takeaways that really stood out and and what do you want to share with the audience from that?
1: Sure. And by the way, just to to preface it, we did this survey with 10,000 drivers. We surveyed 10,000 drivers. And so there's a collective, a good collective mix of data from a lot of drivers across different backgrounds, experiences, locations. And so pretty comprehensive data. And, and we're happy to obviously share the report post the, uh, the podcast. But as far as things key takeaways that I learned, the first and foremost was that, you know, uh, we did, a, I always talk to clients all the time about figuring out the best time to reach candidates, I think you want to try to like pick the, the perfect angles of where you can improve, and finding out when the best time to reach your candidates is one of them. So we asked the candidate pool, you know, what's the best time to reach you morning, afternoon, or evenings. And what was interesting to me that stood out is that, believe it or not, I, I would have said probably evening time just because, you know, during the day, I felt like they were driving and, and maybe as they're winding down for the day, they would be willing to accept calls. But it was actually afternoon. So probably somewhere in that 12 to 5 p.m. period, which I thought was just interesting. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but that was something that stood out. Um, there's also, you know, I think the frequency of people of of employers and calling that's another question that we asked and it was very they always tell you that they get bombarded with phone calls and we assume that they are any you know strong in, in demand candidate pool is going to consistently want to be reached or, or people are going to continue to want to reach out to them but 56% of the people that we surveyed said that they were getting calls daily getting contacted daily by recruiters 38 said weekly. So within the between the two, I mean, you know, you can imagine they're just going to bombard it with phone calls throughout the day and the week. And yeah, you know, that's basically what you're competing against, right? So what's going to make you stand out? You know, how are you going to make yourself self stand out? Those are some things that I were thinking about when I saw that data. And then the last piece of information I thought was useful that stood out was really a question that we asked in regards to why uh, job seekers thought that they were going to, why most, candidates don't or drivers stay with their company and to me you know of course the number one reason was pay that's the one that you hear a lot but beyond that the two that really stood out to me and what i think are controllable are lack of respect honesty and transparency and then the second one was um was a failure to follow through on the recruitment process so these are two things in my mind that are, you know, pay, you can kind of control to some extent, bonus and all those tangible things that are controllable. But to, to how you treat somebody, you know, showing empathy. These are things that I think were really easy to do so that clients can do you know, or they, our customers can do. They can, you know, have frequent conversations with their drivers, see how they're it, even sh- telling them that they matter. You know, having a you know, anytime they see them showing and emphasizing, there was a lot of feedback from drivers, and most of it was centered. And you know, we asked for actual personal comments, and a lot of them had to do with how you know, do does the does the carrier know what it's like in my shoes? And that to me was was really what's was the Yeah,
0: and what are what are some of your thoughts around kind of that area of? you know, th- kind of seeing them through the process, where are some of those breakdowns are, or what's your thoughts on where that's coming from?
1: Uh, I think whether, you know, whether or not, I, I, I just don't think you could do it enough. You know, I, I would almost put the the roles reversed. Imagine, and there was even a response from a driver, like almost like, think about being in my shoes, right? So I think just starting there is really important. You know, do you feel like you get, um commended enough in your role, do you, you know, could you be doing it more to somebody that works for you? You know, those are the type of thoughts that I think are really empowering for employers to think about as they're speaking to their drivers, you know, do they tell their drive? you know, it's not just about pay. It's pretty clear. That's obviously one component of it, but, you know, telling them they did a good job, recognizing if they had them work a longer shift than they would hope for, or if they got, there was a lot of comments, ironically, must we must have surveyed a fair amount of people and, in the winter months, because I mean it must have been because it was in the beginning of January, but it was like talking about icy roads. And do they really know that, you know, what it took for me to get through that snowstorm, you know, so, you know, when you know that there's a snowstorm, and you know, your drivers are there, then, you know, that's the time for you to reach out and say, Hey, just want to let you know, I appreciate it. I know you had a hard day. I know you went through the snowstorm. So just little things like that, I think would, would go a long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I can emphasize the putting yourself in the driver's shoes not only once they're a driver with you, but also through just even that front-end prospect. And what is it like for them to fill out that application using a mobile device? And when was the last time you took time to fill out the exact same process the driver goes through? Uh, When I was, you know, leading recruiters, we put the recruiters out in the truck with the drivers, we had them go through the driver orientation process. So then that way, they really got that full experience. uh, And they knew what they were selling as a recruiter to those drivers, too.
1: And and try to be efficient, try to be communicative, let them know uh, where they are in the process, either if they're still in in the mix or not, what the next steps are. I think that communication piece is, is important, too.
0: Were there any of these results, Ron, that were just really surprising to you?
1: Yeah, a couple of them stood out to me. The the first one, similar to have, how I have my clients ask the question on when the best time to reach them is, I always like them to ask, you know, what's the best method to to reach them, and I would have felt it, emailing to me, I guess, is. Uh, not the number one choice I would have selected, but it seemed like a lot of candidates said that that was their preferred method, method particularly in the morning time. Um, and then phone call was next, and then text was after that, believe it or not. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I would have thought it would have been the other way around, but uh, it seemed like emailing is the preferred method. So with that in mind, keep that in mind when you're communicating. Try that first, and then maybe move to a phone call in the afternoon. Uh, so that was one. The other was, uh, you know, the comp. We had a lot of questions about compensation, and, and what stood out to me was that, of course, compensation was on the high end, but bonuses, for some reason, was on the low end. So it meant that, you know, a lot of times we're promoting bonuses in our job descriptions or job titles, and believe it or not, that was actually one that was not that prevalent for a lot of my a lot of the, the respondents. Um, and then the last thing that stood out to me was. The highest response rate that I saw was home was, of course, number one. And, and so home time, combination with home time and compensation. So daily home time was, of course, the most preferable choice. But it seemed like respondents were more interested in lesser pay for more for more home time versus being out longer for like almost double the amount of pay. We asked the question of around daily home time with 65K. Compensation versus out two to three weeks at a time with a hundred thousand. And it was actually more favorable even for the daily home time. We know daily home time is important, but it was just interesting if you couple that with more money, that that's not going to equate better. So again, pay isn't everything, right? It's a combination of the two.
0: Well, let's switch gears a little bit, Ron, and take a question or a, a question from one of our listeners for our deeper dive segment. Uh, The question is, are there any tips you can provide for recruiters who are getting candidates into their funnel, but struggling to connect with them once they apply? This is a a head one because it comes up all the time.
1: Yeah, the the biggest, there's a few key points that I talk to my clients with with that topic. The first one, I think that's very important and something that I think you guys do very well. and, And this is a towel for your tool, your drip campaigns. But automation, I think, is really, really important. Uh, you've got to have a consistent follow-up process. I don't care any type of outreach, whether it's sales or recruiting, you know, you have to have a process and consistency is a big part of that. And, you know, not just relying for a recruiter to do the same thing every single time, but have some sort of animation behind it. Automation, excuse me, is going to be really important. Uh, the timing of the follow-up. So you get these leads as mentioned, you know, 80 something percent of them are getting contacted between daily and weekly. Every week, so you have to get a hold of them quickly if you can, right? As soon as you get a lead in, you got to be able to follow up with them very, very briefly. And we recommend usually within the first few minutes if possible. Um, The content that you're sending to them, the benefits, the compensation, you know, all of those things lay apart into uh, getting a hold of the, you know, consistently getting a hold of that person. But uh, the time of day, right? We talked about getting a hold of them early via email and then maybe in the afternoon with a phone call. Um, the timing of the day, the, the channel that you're reaching. Um, all, all I think all of those things are levers. And you, know, you want to try to enhance your your best chance of success so the more levers of those that you can switch to, to yes, the better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll add to that too, Ron. The one thing that a lot of our listeners probably don't realize is how many touches it takes to get a driver's attention. And it's anywhere from 12 to 15 right now. And those are all different ways of communication, calls to emails, to text messages, to seeing you on social media, seeing the back of your trailers, just all the different ways that you know we're branding our companies out there. And a lot of times, recruiters just stop after one or two calls and they're like, oh, they didn't answer, they didn't respond to my message. So I'll wait for them to call me. It takes just a lot more aggressive type um, sales mentality today than what it used to
1: a couple things first of all thank you for that because i've in my mind i always tell my my people five to eight times so it's it's interesting to know it's north of that but uh i it's mentioned interesting you mentioned the sales mentality i I can't express that enough i think there's such a strong commonality between sales and recruiting you know I, i can't tell you how many times i've reached out to prospects and customers and you know, the 10th time you finally get a hold of them, it's almost like a, an aha moment. You didn't even think that that person existed. You know, a lot of times that's the problem, right? They think that these people are applying and they're just bots, that they're uh, robots that just kind of automate their their responses going to people. But it's, it is a human and they're busy and they're doing other things. Uh, they're getting contacted by many other people, right? It's that 10th time that you finally get a hold of, them, especially if it's somebody that you know you want to reach, you know, they have the right skill sets, they have the right amount of experience, and, you know, I would go that extra mile, so to speak, to, to try to get them on the phone. And then when you do, it, it certainly will be rewarding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump back to work for. And I know that you specialize in social media recruitment for drivers. Do you have any insights into just the social platform carriers should be using for recruiting today?
1: Great question. And this comes up a lot as our, uh, as our earlier conversation, you know, you want to go where people are spending their time. And one of the questions that we asked centered around, you know, what social media channels that you as a driver use. And ironically, 75% of the respondents actually sh- selected Facebook. So until this changes, I, I speak to a lot of prospects and customers that I work with. And I always recommend starting where you know your drivers are going to be and then. When, you, when we determine that other pools of candidates are worthwhile, then we can expand beyond that. Um, what was also surprising to me that LinkedIn actually was outside of the, the respondents saying, I think 20 plus percent of them said that they weren't using any of the channels, which doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, but, you know, 20 something, 22 percent, I believe, said LinkedIn which actually I thought, and that was the second, outside of Facebook, that was the second largest channel, which was actually a little surprising to me as well. Um, beyond that, it was Instagram, TikTok, and um, I think the rest were like Snapchat had like 1% respondents. So it just tells you that, you know, it's it's just the channel drivers just aren't using. Uh, but we are seeing Instagram more. I think that should be one that should be considered. TikTok, I think... With some of these channels, because of their demographics, like Facebook is a more more mature audience. So you're more likely to get experienced drivers there. And that's just the way that it is. What we're seeing with some of the younger channels like Instagram and TikTok is that drivers are there, but they're usually going to be earlier set drivers with less experience. Or, you know, you got a lot of uh, transportation companies that have transportation programs, CDL programs are, are linked to them. These are great channels for that because you're getting, you know, that new age candidate who wants to get into driving. So if you do are if you're acceptable to reach younger audience drivers, then I think think, you know, so think about that when you're choosing your channels as well.
0: How do carriers measure ROI with advertising?
1: So I look at it, you know, we make the correlation to sales. So I always try to have recruiters look at it as like a funnel, right? So what we help with, of course, is top of funnel. So getting candidates and leads and then generating them through that funnel. That funnel could be, you know, multiple steps and processes along the way. So, you know, I look at metrics from both of those, the top of the funnel and the bottom funnel, we're we're more on that top of the funnel side. So it starts with usually cost per lead and then also cost per qualified lead. So those are the two metrics that we tend to follow a lot, CPL or CPQL. And uh, from there, those are what we see. So we can educate our clients to benchmarks and what they're seeing in the marketplace, what's a good cost, what's a bad cost, and what's an average cost. And then, you know, you look at the bottom of the funnel, and that's actually, uh, I'll speak to it briefly, but you have more experience, I think, in it than I Uh, The the metric I like to at least try to get to is cost per hire, right? So that's the complete bottom of the funnel. Uh, But there's other pieces of the funnel too. Uh, You know, how many people are contacted? How many people are qualified, disqualified? And then there's probably a, a few others that are missed along the way. But those are the key ones that I tend to try to keep an eye on. And uh, cost per hire, of course, being hopefully the the ultimate goal. But a lot of a lot of points between A and B, and you know, you guys are an integral part of, of that funnel. Where I, I think of us as top of the funnel, and, and you guys as, as bottom.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like cost per hire or cost per lead to cost per hire, and depending on you as a carrier, it's good to have a few touch points in between. Uh, so then that way you can kind of see, you know, what could be. From a funnel standpoint, where are you losing them? And also looking at it quality over quantity sometimes because carriers do think they need quantity and large numbers, but being able to really tailor that back to, is it, you know, do you want your team working on quality versus quantity and making sure they're investing those touches with the right leads and the right volume coming in?
1: Yeah, there's also a lot of bad habits that come from volume, sometimes over quality as well, because I've seen a lot of times like, you know, it's like sifting, you have to sift through all these candidates. And if you have a bunch of them, the recruiters are happy, because it's like euphoria, because I've got a lot of leads that I can call. But in reality, they know that they're sifting through a lot of people that aren't the right fit. And so they're spinning their wheels and wasting their time. And if there's a lot of those that they're sifting through, and they're not qualified, it's those gold mines that are in there that they overlook sometimes, because they just Sometimes they'll see a source and they'll say, yeah, oh, you know, this is not a good fit. Because, But, you know, if they looked at it, we, we try to help filter that the best that we can. But, you know, if they're, let's say, reaching people and they, they're not meeting certain requirements, they might overlook that pool completely and then decide to make some rash decisions along with it. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, and also keeping in mind that the cost, those metrics are, knowing your metrics and what your you know, it's one thing to say CDL drivers are a specific cost, but really there's different segments of CDL drivers, right? There's regional OTR local, and then there's, there's company and and owner operators. So knowing which segment that you're working with and how you compare to your market, I I think that's really important. And hopefully we we try to stay educated and and also try to give those benchmarks to you guys and, and to our clients. And so uh, that way, every, if everybody's working from the same benchmarks, then we know collectively what's good and what's bad. And I encourage any employer to to, to search out that information and see how they compare to within industry.
0: 2022. So what benchmarks are you seeing for this year?
1: Yeah, right now, I'll, I'll talk about two things. So the, we obviously talked about cost per lead. So right now, at work for in general, we're seeing between $20 and $50 cost per lead. And again, that, that varies a lot based on market, um, job type, and and benefits, compensation. There's so many factors that can go into that lead cost, but that's usually what we're seeing. So we try to measure our clients based on that, um, and then cost for hires as, as well. And you know, for them, feedback and information that we get, that's anywhere from a thousand to two thousand. I'll also say these metrics, you know, continuously go up, and I would say they'll probably fluctuate over the next few years. But one of the things, the trends that we've seen over the last two or three years is increased costs. So, you know, just keep that in mind when you're budgeting, whether or not it's for us or you or, or whatever they're using. Just consider that their costs are, are it's increasingly getting more and more harder to reach these drivers. And we see that and we know that. So clients have to be prepared for that. They shouldn't be a lot of times sticker shocked. I mean, I remember we used to always like two or three years ago, it was easily ten dollars for leads and now you know it's, it's north of twenty dollars on average and you know it's hard to uh, predict what it's going to be in a year from now I, I don't anticipate it going up as much as we've seen over I think there's been some very strong global events happening in the last couple of years that I don't know <laughs> I hate to say this but I don't know how it could get progressively worse but with that being said I, I really don't think it will. Fingers crossed. And if that's the case, I think hopefully we're stabilizing a little bit, but also prepare for that unknown, you know, put a little extra mm-hmm. in the, the budget for that unknown. And if you don't use it, great, but if you can accomplish what you need to, and, and it was the same budget as last year, that's awesome. Congratulations. But at least make sure to give yourself that cushion. And then, you know, it's easier to do that than, you know, wait for the moment that you need it. And yeah, got to go back and we, we and none of us like to go back for more budget. So just preparing for that unknown would be my biggest.
0: Yeah, I, I hope you didn't just jinx the market there, Ron.
1: <laughs> I, I've got wood on my desk, so I'm knocking. But I, I, you know, I, I'm an optimist at heart, so it's hard for me to think otherwise. But you know, l- let's just face it: we've seen a lot of turmoil, and if anything, I will say the positive is that we've probably prepared ourselves to deal with a lot of stuff you know, we, we've dealt with a lot of battles as salespeople, as recruiters in the last two, three years, I think more so. Let's put it and I'm sure you probably agree with this, but I've probably battled more challenging situations in my work and in recruiting in the last two to three years than my last 20 years in the recruitment marketing space. So um, one thing's for sure is that I think we can all say that we can battle through adversity. And uh, I feel optimistic mystic that as as recruiters and hiring managers we can deal with more if, if it comes up with but hopefully it gets better
0: well ron thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate our partnership you're a great resource and i look forward to many more years of working with you and networking and bouncing ideas off of you i only wish you a great 2022
1: you as well thank you so much wendy i appreciate it
0: thanks for joining me for another episode of taking the higher road Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those that appear on an upcoming Deeper Dive segment at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you listen to. Until next time, thank you for Taking the Higher Road.